You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Does your organization struggle with communication? That's weird because we've never heard that before. Have we ever heard of any companies struggling with communication before? I can't think of one. No, never. Yeah, Yeah, that's weird. Very, very rare. Mm -hmm. Very, very very rare. rare. Yeah. So we're going to speak to just those of you who sometimes have like one team that doesn't connect really well with another team or the left side doesn't know what the right side is doing or the second floor people are doing things that the first floor people don't like, or the people in the office across the way don't do the right things, or that other team, or whatever those things are. This is who we're talking about today, because we're going to talk about not just, and we talked about breaking down silos before a little bit, but today we're going to talk a little bit about something that I think we don't hear other companies talk about enough, but we talk about it a lot. And that's the idea of natural connections and maybe even natural disconnections that occur within teams. And the concept of this is a natural connection is that people who do the same job, who work together in the same location and work and work together on a daily basis tend to have a natural connection with each other. If they have a similar background, all those things, the more that they have in common, the more of a natural connection, the more their communication is going to just naturally be pretty good. However, Sometimes there are things that organizations do or have to do that create some natural disconnection. So that could be a different location. It could be even within the same office sometimes. It could be a different team. Maybe you have a different job. It could be that the people have different backgrounds a little bit. It could be lots of different things. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the natural connections that we have at work and maybe some of the natural disconnections. And then we're going to talk about how we can create managed connections to be able to overcome that communication thing so that you never have a problem with communication again. I feel like we need to circle back to the statement. We said it's very rare. It's not. No, that was very clear that we were being sarcastic. (laughs) Oh, so you guys have heard our clients say that they struggle with communication and siloing. I would say that I have not had a single client in the 10 years that has not said that communication could be improved. Everyone says it can. Or the ones that are like, no, our communication's pretty good. They're probably, they're lying. Never, I've literally never heard that though. Have you ever heard that? Has anyone ever been like, no, mm-hmm. not really. I've never it's, heard it. It's usually an issue for people. It's almost, it's, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. it's always an issue. Everyone thinks that they personally communicate really well, yeah. but you don't. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And and a lot of times, you know, we've talked about the complexities of communication itself, which we're not going to dive into because we've done this on lots of other episodes, but we have different communication styles. Sometimes we say things that aren't heard the right way, right? There's noise in the communication. There's lots of different forms of communication. All those things are out there. But I think one of the things that people miss a lot is what we're going to talk about today is some of the natural barriers that occur, those natural disconnections that occur. So we're excited to jump into this. You've already heard from Diana and you've already heard from Bethany here from our team. Uh, Stephanie is also on the, she hasn't said anything yet. Stephanie, why are you siloing yourself away from the rest of the team right now? I thought I was communicating really well. 
but maybe it was all just nonverbal. So I don't know. But if you're on YouTube, you can see me. I'm nodding. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's We're just a trouble. It's just the nonverbals don't work great for those of us listening on the podcast. I'm just saying, like, I do see but the so you're saying to intentionally make a connection with Stephanie. So that's, yeah. That's so this is another instance where, like, yeah, communication. Everyone talks about it. Literally, everyone talks about. It. I feel like it comes up at least once a day in a in a client meeting of communication and. I thought, well, I thought I said this and I thought I told everyone, oh, well, no one knew. So I guess not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, all right. So we're, and I'm, I'm Don Harkey. I'm supposed to say that too. Matt Griswold's out on assignment today. I just love saying that. It just sounds fun to be able to put that out there. But so we're going to dive into this topic of natural connections versus managed connections. So let's start off by talking about like, what are some of the things that create a natural disconnection on teams? We've talked, we've hit on a couple of those, but what, what, where do we want to start? What's a good example of something that creates a natural disconnection in a team? I think we mentioned, and the topic that a lot of people are talking about right now is remote employees. Those, those employees who are not physically in the office or spend days outside of the main work area, those people have a natural disconnect. Sure. And that's a piece, Diana, I know that you've, I'm not to call this out for, okay. for you personally here, but you used to sit like 10 feet from me right Is over that, here. Was it 10 feet? That feels far. I don't know. I mean, I'm it's reaching out to your chair. It's really close. If you're not in our office, by the way, the funny or not so funny thing is like Diana's desk is still here. Like it's yeah. still there and no one's sitting in that desk. And so every day I'll just reach, I look over and nope, she's not there right now. She's out no. in have now to she's... talk about that because if we hire somebody else, the whole thing is going to have to change, and so it's a whole other conversation. But I just want to prepare her team for that's Diana's desk. <laughs> like oh, no. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I went from like ten feet at the most to twenty five hundred miles away, which is more, which uh, is farther away. For those of you who aren't good at math, great yeah. deduction. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, that, I mean, so it does create, that creates a natural disconnection, right? Now it's not a, one of the things that we talked about before, like making that move for us is like, Diana, you've been with the company for a really long time before you did that. And like you and I have worked together for a really long time. And so it was like, no, it's going to be a lot of fine connect. we still have, we have a strong connection before that split happened. But I think what we have learned is it does create some, a natural disconnection that then we have to think about right? That just not being in the same place. Like, what does that look like for what, what creates that? Yeah. I think it just, it's not as easy to just have those like water cooler conversations or to see your comings and goings and just being like, Hey, how are you today? Right. There's no little chit chat. It's I intentionally call you about something for work. It's not, I just call you to say, Hey, or I just call you to see what's going on. I mean, we, we do that now, but it, there's a, we do that intentionally. It took a little bit of forethought to think through to do that. And I don't know that that's a natural thing to do. I think naturally the remote employees are remote and call when they need something or take a meeting or whatever. And there's less of that relationship building happening. 
Yeah, I think about the conversation like we literally had right before jumping on the podcast because we were wrapping up a client meeting. Stephanie and I were, and Bethany had, was sitting in the back of the office and we hadn't talked yet. And it was like we turned around and we had a really quick conversation that was, you know, what, how was your weekend? Oh, I cleaned my house. My kids are awful, I think is what you said, Bethany. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but something like that. I mean, okay. <laughs> they, they don't They don't listen to this, do they? I mean, maybe someday they'll come they back and listen, listen to it. it. <laughs> they just are not great at cleaning sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. We're going to talk about job responsibilities in the future and matching up people with their right skill sets. That's probably the podcast they need to listen to. But you're right. It was a really quick conversation about that. And then we even talked about like a client interaction that we had and updated that and talked about another discussion we had. And that all occurred in about two and a half minutes, probably. Like it was super fast in the conversations, like walking to the back, getting a coffee, getting something else, you know, and then doing that. And those inter those interactions are hard when you're 2,500 miles away. You have to hit a button and call. And so what are you calling? What do you need me for? Right, yep. Diana? That's yep. a Yeah, totally true. Yeah. That's a, that's a challenge. Yeah. So, so and that could, that's not just like remote employees. That kind of bleeds into the next thing that I think is a disconnect is just like physical separation in any office. Like if you're not next to someone, you're not in the same building, there's a separate floor, there's, I don't know, hallways between you. Like, I think those not physically really close proximity things create a natural disconnect. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about too, while we were talking. And I think this is something that happens, whether you have a huge corporate office or even a small office that space is separated of you lose some of that natural connection, because we're kind of probably grouping people into spaces by the work that they do. And I can remember I worked at a company once, I mean, it was small, we were maybe like 20 people or less, but we had separated space. And it always felt kind of awkward. Like if you just kind of moseyed into the other zone. And then people would be like, what are you doing here? And you're like, I just came to say hi. And they're like, surely not. You have an agenda for being here. What do you need to just, just ask your question, Stephanie, what are you doing? What do you need from us? And it just felt weird, even though we all got along and really liked each other because there was that separation of where natural just communication and chats about the weekend or what you're doing or things over lunch. Like we didn't have a space where everyone could go have a break and, and just connect in that way. So it was always a little like suspicious um, when somebody would show up in the other space because they're like, what are they doing? And is, are they a spy <laughs> for the other department to see if our work's getting done? I love that. Always Matt tells a good story about like a supervisor who was at a hospital who was overseeing multiple different departments. And one of the departments that she oversaw had its own separate, like enclosed office. And so, and it was pretty tight space inside that with like little cubicles or mini cubicles inside the office. And she just didn't spend a lot of time walking into that space. So they talked about spending more time walking in that space. And she's talked about the first time she walked through that office, how awkward it felt. Everybody was like, what are you doing here? And I mean, you didn't say that, but the looks, the nonverbals are like, why is the boss suddenly walking through this office and saying hi to everybody? You're right. It's it's amazing. The things we're talking about, it doesn't have to be a major, we're not talking about like a massive wall between people. Like it's just the smallest things in an office can that segment the office can create a natural disconnection between different teams. Is, there, is that wrong? Is that, Are we telling people like change your office so that you're all sitting in a in a big circle around each other like 
No, I think it's natural, right? It happens. I was thinking about the show, The Office. They have, you know, their main like workspace over there, but the accountants have their own little little space in the back and they have an annex where some of the customer service and HR lives. And then they have a warehouse where like all the warehouse guys are. Nobody ever goes to the warehouse. It just, they don't all mingle together and they all like each other. It's, there's nothing there that says they don't like each other, but it is just natural to like connect with the people that are closest to you. And there's, it's probably not feasible or even wanted to all be in the same space all together, all sitting in a circle, staring at each other. That's probably very distracting. Yeah, Do not do a circle <laughs> seating arrangement, staring at each other. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because, you know, we talk about, I mean, I think that the people are in different jobs because they have certain abilities or they might have a similar personality type or things like that. So putting people who are similar together to work together is not bad. I think you, if you put a bunch of accountants in the room with a bunch of salespeople, like they're both going to go crazy. (laughs) Like It's just not going to work well. Typically, I'll just say that's a probably an overstatement, but from what I've seen, I don't think it would go well. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they should never talk to each other. I'm sure there are times that they really have to communicate about stuff. And so for us, it's like we have to create that intentional communication. I was thinking about a company that I used to work for where we were doing content marketing. And I'm going to tell you specifically about the industry so I can tell you about the different roles. And um, the way the, stru- the structure was really clear in terms of like, I was in the account side, the, like the account management side. So I was working with the clients. And so I, I was on a team with other account managers. And so we knew who our boss was. And then we had editors that we worked with and they all, you know, were on a team and knew who their boss was. And then we had somebody who was like a strategist or something, and they all knew who their boss was, but so the structure was really clear, but we all had to work together to be able to produce the 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 content and to you know produce the service that we were that we were that we were creating for the clients. And so so the way that we did that was we sort of created a process around that that was like a separate structure that wasn't part of our organizational structure. It was I work with an editor. I have some, an editor on my team and I have a strategist on my team and then I have a me on my team. And they we had several of those. And so that was sort of the way that we created intentional communication because otherwise it was easy for us to really silo and say, well, the editors do this and we do this and we work with the clients. And so we know what we're doing and they don't understand what the clients want or whatever, but they worked around that to create a different kind of process so that we're all feel like we're part of a team and we're working on the same goal and project for a client. And it didn't feel so siloed that way. I think that's a great example. So like the, you know, we talked about types of the natural disconnections, the natural disconnection there was caused a little bit by the process and a little bit by the roles that we followed. You know, Diana mentioned before there, that can be magnified when the roles are also very different from each other. If you're mixing sales people with accounting people, but Bethany, I like in your example, how, what happened is you created, if there's not a natural connection, you have to create a managed connection, right? And the managed connection in that case was the process and the communication cadence amongst that group to say, let's work together with this client all at the same time. So then you feel like our natural, there's a, there's a nice, so you can manage those connections, those disconnections, I should say, in terms of that. So if you have a natural disconnection, it doesn't mean it's necessarily inherently bad by itself, but it's going to cause problems. You have to overcome it 
by creating a managed connection together, which I like that story, Bethany. That's good. Let's talk about other examples of natural connection issues. Bethany, I think the next one that I want to talk about is one of your favorites, and it's just connections that are natural disconnections that are created by an org chart. Do you want to talk through that a little bit? Because you kind of like love the org chart. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was touching on with my story too, because I think that there are, you know, we do set up our structure in really specific ways. And the way that we would, if you've listened to some of our other podcasts, you know, that we talk about, we really like hierarchy and a structure versus like a flat organizational structure that people talk about, because we want to make sure that people know who they're bosses, right? But if you look at a structure, and Don was talking about this earlier, there's going to be some natural disconnections that happen when you look at an org chart. So there's different different departments that are represented on an org chart. Just like my example with my story that I was talking about is like we had a we had our edit editorial department and we had our content strategist department and we had our account management department. And so easily, if you look at that, we're, we are distinct and separate on an on a structure on that hierarchy. And so we had to intentionally create that communication across that level. Um, but then there's also that disconnect from, you know, the the higher end of that structure to the to the lower end of that structure. So that's so it can happen on both the same level and up and down. And so we have to create, I don't know if I if I explained that the way that you were hoping, Diana. <laughs> But I think you have to create that that communication up and down and side to side. Don or Matt talks about that a lot. He says like we want to create communication up and down and side to side. And if you look at an org chart, you can like visually see what we mean by that. I think. Yeah, you said that exactly how I wanted you to say it. Like it just being an org chart, there is natural separation there. They put it in rows and columns. Like it's naturally separated, so it makes sense that those things. And those roles and those people have disconnections. Yeah. And, and when we do, when we look at work charts with people, that's usually our next question, right? Is like we help design it to make sure it makes sense. And so that everybody knows who their bosses are. And so that similar positions are sort of grouped together on purpose because it creates a lot of clarity. But then our second question is always, okay, now, you know, for the manager of this department, when are you meeting with this group here? And then when are you meeting with the other managers too, to make sure that we have communication going side to side and down to. You're reminding me of a couple stories. You know, I've worked, I started off my career working in a couple of large organizations and boy, I've got some good stories. I can remember at one point, you know, we had a, at ADM, we had a structure that was very plant focused. So everybody worked for the plant manager of that. And you'd have 200 and, you know, 250, 300 or more people working under these, this plant managers. So you had almost your whole, a whole hierarchy. If you work deep, deep inside that, you didn't know that there were other plants. I mean, you knew that they were out there, but you didn't have much interaction with other people that might do exactly the same job you're doing in another plant. And you didn't really have much, like what we didn't interact very much with other engineers who were doing the same job, who might be trying to solve the same problems you have, who have probably solved problems that you could solve just because we just have that natural disconnection from that. I can remember at one point, even we started a new product and they started it in two different plants at the same time. And so we were both starting up a brand new piece of equipment at the same time. And the two groups did not talk to each other at all about how they were doing it and what the process was. 
And it was really interesting because somebody up higher in the organization finally noticed at some point and said, boy, we're, this is kind of weird. We're starting the same product. We're, we're, we're launching the same product. We're designing it in two separate locations in the company. And we were, by the way, an hour away from each other. So it wasn't even that we were that far away from each other to be able to learn from each other. So we finally came together after like several months or maybe even a year of running this process. And the two processes ran so dramatically differently because they were just created by two different sets of groups of people. And the standards in one team was like, we were like one, the production in one was double the production of the other one. And so there we, we, when we got together and exchanged notes, like both sides learned a lot from each other and everything. So I think a lot of it is when we work as a consultant, we can take a step back without being part of that. And you can look at the org chart and you can kind of say, how does this team and this team work together? They seem like they have similar jobs. Do they ever talk with each other? And, and a lot of times the answer is no because of that natural disconnection. So then how do you create like a managed connection in that example on an org chart? Like or the, maybe the example that I just used, how do we, how do we fix that? I think the word that I love that you used is managed. Like it's intentional. You have to just figure out a way to do that. And we, when we go in, we'll build like a whole cadence of meetings and figure out ways to force interactions between people and projects and things like that. But I think the first step is recognizing it and being intentional with it and saying like, I know that I need to connect with these people. I know that my job is dependent on their job, right? We're, we're all in the same team. We're all doing the same quote unquote, the same thing. We're all working for the same company. So now what do we have to do to make sure that we are intentionally coming together and meeting up with each other and having the right conversations. I love that. Yeah, we talk a lot about communication needs a place, right? And a lot of times if there's not a place for communication to happen, the communication just doesn't happen. So when you talked about a communication cadence that we install, that means that there's a place for those groups to work together. There's a good example. We're working with a hospital right now that's grown significantly and they've added a management level. And one of the things we talked about is what are their opportunities to collaborate across those different departments that are there. So we've created a meeting where those those directors come together and they meet monthly and they talk about what's best for them to talk about together. And we've already seen them when they go to launch like a new service line or something like that, that involves multiple different departments. We've already seen them start to bring those things to that group and they suddenly talk about it because they're all in the room together and now they're starting to collaborate more. It's creating more of them. It's a managed connection across those departments that maybe didn't happen before when they launched something new, because you know, the other way that I think we think that we're going to deal with it is, well, my boss's boss is going to tell their subordinate subordinate to talk to with us for that same issue. That doesn't often work. I was going to ask the soft question for you guys. Do you think that works? And I, I saw all of your faces and I'm like, no, that's, just, that's too easy of a question. We just see that doesn't work a lot of times. You know, if you're depending on your boss to tell somebody else on your team and use your boss for collaboration, that's first of all, it's pretty inefficient. Second of all, your boss is probably thinking of high level stuff, which is good for the boss to be thinking about. So it means they're also going to probably miss some details on that. I don't know any thoughts on that or, or, or tips on that in terms of also ways that we can improve collaboration across an org chart. I think one thing that I like that our team does since, you know, Diana's remote and Matt is remote a lot is just knowing that like probably the first couple of minutes of our meetings are just going to be some like interpersonal connection time. Like if you're expecting your teams to be really collaborative and like 
have psychological safety in these meetings and to feel vulnerable enough to share good ideas or share feedback on how things are or are not working, you've got to give them time to build the relationships that warrant those conversations. So I think if it's, yeah, if these are all Zoom, we're still all on Zoom calls, just know like it's okay if we start the meeting, like the actual content of the meeting a couple minutes into it. That way everybody got the chance to, to say hello or comment on what flavor of coffee we're drinking this week and kind of get to know each other a little bit. Or I was um, a part of an organization once that like any meetings that included people outside of your department had to happen in like a conference room, <clears throat> excuse me, because we were all there physically together. So it actually gave us that moment where everybody got up out of their separated spaces. We came together in this conference room and it just provided a little bit of that managed connection that, Hey, yeah, we don't expect you guys to go into each other's spaces all the time, but for this meeting, when we, we need to be collaborative and work together, let's actually physically be together if we can. And then I think those kind of water cooler type conversations really naturally happen when you're in person. But if you're not meeting in person, like leave some room and space for that. So people actually build relationships. I like that you said that Stephanie, because I think that was something we actually transparently, we talked about and tried to say like, are we okay with that? We know, we know we're not always starting meetings on time because we're talking about just like personal stuff and catching up. And I think for our team, we, we ultimately said like, no, actually that's really valuable. And that's important for us to be able to make those connections because we don't get to see each other all the time. We're not all in the office at the same time or things like that. And so um, for us, it was, it was a conscious choice to say, okay, no, we are going to make sure that like we spend time just catching up with each other, even if that means we're not starting a meeting right on time. So I think that's really, I think that's really important. I also wanted to just say like, Diana, you mentioned earlier We've talked a little bit about that, just that we're talking about the right things and some of these meetings. So whenever we're bringing people in from different areas, I think it's easy for us to like not stay on track in a different way, not the catching up side of things, but like, a, are we bringing people together and having the right conversations? Because I think if you bring two people from two separate like worlds of the company and it's not a well-executed meeting. People get really frustrated. And so then it and so then it creates more of a disconnect because people get frustrated within those meetings. So I just think that's a really that was kind of like a quick point that we kind of quickly stepped over. But I think we've seen the value of that of just like making sure that this is this is a well-executed meeting and you are talking about the things that you need to talk about so that everybody is engaged and collaborative in, in, in that time too. I, I think about a group that we work with, Bethany, that was a, uh, I'll, I'll kind of code this, but they're a manufacturer, right? And a lot of manufacturers, you have a sales team that goes and sells stuff and then they have to, they turns over to the engineers to design the thing that they sold. And that goes to manufacturing to build the thing that was designed. And they talked about how much separation they had between those three departments, the sales team. If you talk to the engineers, the sales team would sell anything. They didn't care about what they sold. They would, they would, they would sell things that were hard to make and hard to figure out. If you talk to the production team, they were frustrated because the sales team would sell everything and the engineers didn't care how they built it. They made it really difficult for how they built it. If you talk to the engineer, the sales team, they talk about how slow the engineers in production were and how they were always complaining about stuff. So, I mean, it was this big divide. And so we asked the question of like, when did those groups get together? And essentially, when we looked at the workflow and stuff between them is, first of all, A, they never got together, really. 
they kind of lobbed work orders to each other, like lob things over to the wall to the next team. And then they, they, they really disliked each other. So the first time we pulled that meeting together, it's like, what do you want to talk about? Well, there's a risk of what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about how you guys are screwing up everything for us. But instead, what we did was we had a meeting where we talked about what are, why are we here? Like, what are, what's our goal? What can we agree on? Let's come up with some things that we care about. And so one of the things that that group cared about was what they're delivering to the customer at the end of the day. And so we decided that was our North Star. So anything that we would disagree on at the end of the day, it was we wanted to come back and say, what's good for the customer? What's good for the customer? We recognized that selling anything was not good for the customer. We recognized that designing things badly for production was not good for the customer. We recognized that producing it late was not good for the customer. So that helped us to start solving problems. The cool thing, just watching that, is I remember the first meeting, they all sat, they came, we were all in a conference room and the sales team sat together and the the engineers all sat together and the production team sat together and they were using a lot of they, they language pops up. By the way, they is a sign of communication failures or misconnection opportunities. Well, they do this, they do this. And you're talking about they meaning people on your team. Essentially, you're just talking about they meaning, oh, the engineers are doing this or those darn production folks are doing this. But by the second meeting, they started to mix up with each other and you could see it. And the they turned into we pretty fast. Like really by the second meeting, they were starting to use that and they were starting to solve problems. I think when we get smart people together and we make those connections and you give them an opportunity to form a relationship, which I love Stephanie, that you mentioned that because I think that's critically important too. You can't just jump right into the technical stuff. You have to allow them to form a relationship. I think people at the end of the day can agree upon something that they want to work on together and they'll solve problems together and break those things down. So I think this is a good topic. It's a lot of us talking about how do we create these managed connections? If you have teams that don't necessarily talk enough, create a place for that. Create a place for them to form a relationship, you know, build that, build that out. People ask us all the time, you know, can remote employees work? Does that work? And yes, it can work, but you have to manage it differently. It's just like the open office discussion. Does an open office work? You know, the open office creates the most natural connection place that you can probably have, but there's other problems that you have to manage in that kind of a setting. So everything that you do, look at it as, do you have a natural connection or not? In places where you have a natural disconnection, install the managed connections to be able to improve communication. Just a way to kind of step back and look at the organization. What other tips or things do we want to throw out for everybody here who are thinking about this topic? I think we covered it really well. I think I think we talk a lot about intentional communication, and this is just another aspect of that. This is just another place where we say, communication is never easy. You're never doing it well. You always have to keep working at it and it takes a lot of intent. So I think this is just another aspect of that, like intentional, intentional communication, intentional touch points, intentional trust building, intentional breaking down silos. Yeah. And be comfortable, like continually reevaluating it. I think sometimes we just sort of gut check ourselves to make sure like, are we doing this the right way? Or are we including everybody in the conversations or, you know, and then we just try to recalibrate and try something different. So I don't think it's always like Diana said, like you're you're not, it's not always going to be perfect and you'll probably try some things and not go really well. And so be willing to just kind of continually reevaluate. Yeah. What you don't want to do is just go tell all your people, just, you just need to talk to each other. Just start communicating, right? I hope that you start doing that. Hope's not a very good strategy in terms of communication. Got to be deliberate about it. Go do it better. Just go do it better. I don't understand. 
just go do it better. Just go form relationships. Yeah. And if you're the boss, if you're the boss and you see that, and there's some teams that you naturally connect with more than others, spend time with the teams you don't naturally connect with. Do the laps, even if it's awkward to walk in the office and do the lap that we discussed at the beginning of this podcast, go do that lap. Because when we saw that manager who did that lap, yes, it was awkward the first time. It was less awkward the second time. And then it became natural. It's an amazing what you can do sometimes just creating that. There is a value in just walking around sometimes and making sure that you're touching different people. Like one of the things we've learned is just having the random calls with each other. You know, I'll just call Diana sometimes on my way home or during the day, or she'll call me and just say like, I haven't talked to you for a while. What's happening? I don't have anything on the agenda. Uh, Those are important. That happens in real life situations in the office. It needs to happen in real life situations virtually too and across different departments and areas. So, so don't get into fights with the second floor. Don't get into fight with those darn engineering departments. You know, don't allow those silos to occur in your organization because when those silos are bridged, when those gaps are bridged and you create managed community, managed connections, there's some amazing things that can happen inside the organization. Your team works together to solve problems and it has a big impact on your culture. So thanks for joining us. Give us feedback. We always like to hear from you, but uh, we'll see you next time. If you're watching us on YouTube or you can, we'll hear you next time. We can't hear them, Diana. That's not how pod, podcasts work. I don't, I don't have the technology for that yet. I don't, uh, not yet. Do you get oh, called? You're right. The telephone <laughs> is literally that technology. <laughs> if you want to call us, you can. You can, you can call us. You can call us. Or, yes. or email or whatever. We, we love to hear from you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the People Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.